Hello, listeners. Uh, Krangis and I would like to welcome you to another episode of Fandom Done Right. This is a, I think I'm calling this a, I'm not going to title it this way. It's just going to be titled Aragon Part 1. But uh, Percy Jackson Show presents Aragon. Now, you might be wondering, listener, but why Aragon? Why why are we stepping away from, why are we not doing, why are we not just flying into Heroes of Olympus? And why part one? I read, I started reading this series last year. We'll start talking about our experiences with Aragon. And I was also a little, just after Kane Chronicles, I was a little bit worn out with that universe. I wanted to step away for a bit. And Tim is a, is a big Aragon fan. You know, we were texting a lot about it. And so Cole has <laughs> graciously allowed us three to to take a little leap into Allegasia for a little bit, especially with the announcement that they're also doing an Aragon series on Disney Plus. Uh, co-written by Polini? Don't know. Early, 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 early Yeah, days. he's executive he's, producing and writing it. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, I think it's a similar capacity to what Rick is doing with the Percy Jackson series. And so we're not doing the whole inheritance cycle but because they're really long books and there's a lot of stuff going on right now in fandoms everywhere but we wanted to at least jump through the first book and then just kind of see where it takes us so i'm here i'm spencer joined by cole and tim uh and any thoughts to say as we as we jump into aragon so i just want to start I, i've read the i've read aragon and eldest three times each and then Brissinger and Inheritance once each. Mainly because those ones are very long. But, yeah, I mean, these, these books are just really good. I would kind of say they're at, a, they're at a, a reading level where, like, I read them as a, probably a 8th grader, 7th grader maybe. But even now... They're still a good read, and I've I've started to read his latest book, uh, uh, Sleep in a, a Sea of Stars, uh, but I haven't finished it yet. But even he's he's grown so much as a writer, and already like in the Inheritance Cycle, his re- writing has increased. But even now, a much older, his writing has increased much more, uh, and reading it. At first, at that age, knowing that he wrote the first book as a 15-year-old was just kind of inspiring, I guess, maybe. But just kind of relatable a little bit. Just because it was like, yes. he's a few years older than me, even though he's much more older than me. But I just had that yes. <laughs> impression that we were closer in age because of he wrote it. Uh, like a few years older than I was when I first read it. Uh, and so that that kind of set like a foundation f- for my liking of this series. And the, the magic's simple and yet really fun. The world building's great. Cole, what about you? What's your experience? Cole is not speaking in this episode. With Erica? Not at all? <laughs> what? No. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just joking. I'm gonna not gonna lie. This 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 series has been 
a part of my life for such a long time that I really don't remember. I mean, I remember the first time reading it. It took me a couple of tries because I was really young. Um, but yeah, it's it's just been there for as long as I can remember uh, these characters, this the story. Granted, I don't remember a bunch of the story because there's obviously four books with a lot of content in them and I have memory issues, but yeah, I've, I've, this will be my second time ever reading them all the way through. Hopefully, I guess I was really spurred to read the book when I saw the movie that shall not be named. Well, it has the same, the same name title. as the book. So we're probably going to say that word. <laughs> exactly. <bunch> of <laughs> I don't think it could not be named. I'm not proud of all these confessions. Uh, and again, listeners, we're just we're just going to work through the first book and see where that takes us. But we have a lot of other stuff we want to cover. But I tried to read the first book when I was like 10 or 12, maybe. After I saw the movie, which I don't remember anything about the movie. Almost nothing. I think people die in the movie that didn't die in the book. And then I think people die survive in the movie that didn't survive in the book. I, I don't remember. <laughs> We'll talk about it, but we won't do a lot of spoilers for later books, both because Cole and Cole doesn't remember the last two. Tim has only read the last two once, and I have not read the last two yet. So I I read this one last year, and I, I remember. <laughs> Go ahead. I remember the big things from the last book. Yeah. <laughs> I the big, read the big spoilers. I love the. I didn't like it the first time I read it when I was twelve. I didn't get into it. I fell asleep in the prologue. And then I jumped back into him last <laughs> year. I don't remember the reasoning. Maybe it was because the audiobook, like I didn't have to wait to get it. It wasn't on hold or anything, but I loved it. And I flew through that. And then I was really trying to finish Eldest before we started on this series. But I got to a point where I was like, okay, if I don't stop reading Eldest and start reading Aragon again, I will not get to halfway through chapter 30 before we record. So I had to put it down, but I was like 90% of the way through Eldest, like the conclusion of Eldest, basically. So I won't try to reference Eldest too much, listeners, if you haven't read all of this. And if you're reading along with us, awesome. We love to see it. If you've already read all of these and you're just experiencing it with us, we love to have you here as well. How do you guys feel about the Aragon Disney Plus series right now? Any, any thoughts to cast towards that? Hmm. Ask me before I started rewatching Falcon and Winter Soldier. You don't like it? You haven't been liking the rewatch of it? I'm. I have not. I'm like, can this be over quicker? I enjoyed it, but wow. I don't know. But yeah, I. I'm only on. I'm like also rewatching two. Loki right now, which is really good. What I like about mm. taking a step into Marvel, what I've liked about rewatching Phase 4 is we got a lot more screen time with characters that hadn't had a lot of screen time before. So Falcon yes. Winter Soldier is that, pretty much. But back to the original question, I feel like, overall, I feel like it's in good hands. I feel like Disney wants to do right by these properties, i.e. this and Percy Jackson, um, they want to do right by them because they haven't gotten a proper representation in the visual media 
yet. So as excited as I am for Percy Jackson, I feel like this is going to be bigger. Disney Plus, this is going to be bigger because this be is such a bigger story. Yeah, it's going to be a huge undertaking. I don't know how they're going to do. They could do two seasons or three seasons just for the first book. Right. I don't know what they're going to do. So, I don't know. Um, oh, okay. Man, go ahead, Tim. There's. This is such a big question because uh, it has Tim so many underlying <laughs> questions in it. Yes. Uh, so... Oh, there's been so many adaptations of books and movies and video games in a series format recently. Uh, Rings of Power, uh, Wheel of Time. Last of Us uh, now. Yes, Last of Us. Um, uh, I, I could mention Game of Thrones, but I don't... I never read the books, so I'm, I don't know much about those ones as far as adaptations. But... I read the first chapter of the first book and I said I am done. Netflix Granted, is a- I was a freshman in I was a freshman in high school and I didn't need to be reading that. Uh, I mean, Wheel of Time all, and then most they're of supposedly those. doing a Narnia series on Netflix. There's like so oh, many coming. That's been in development out. for so long. Yeah, it's been development uh, hell forever. But anyway. Uh, I'm just saying there's so, so many that could be coming soon. Yes. Uh, Last of Us um, has the director in, or the the creator involved. Uh, Aragon has the creator involved. Uh, Percy Jackson has the creator involved. So I'm really looking. We still don't even. We barely Last know if that's a great. good thing or not. Right, but based on The Last of Us, that's that's been a great contribution. Uh, then we look at uh, Wheel of Time. Uh, of course, Robert Jordan. Uh, passed away before the series was being made, but they brought in uh, Robert uh, uh, Sanderson as a producer. He kind of got sidelined. He was a producer, but he basically got sidelined. And I think it hurt because of that. Uh, Reigns of Power, I mean, there's controversy about that, but I don't think the divergences from the lore helped. Uh, but that's a different topic. But so I think it's pretty much a whole new thing. I think it's great that Disney Plus is including the creators in these these uh yes. adaptations. And I think it will help. I think it will have at least the heart of the story. And I think that is what has made Last of Us great. Oh man, we're gonna talk about that later at the end of that, but yeah, sorry about that spiel, think, but no, you're right. I, to it. I, I'm with uh, Spencer on this that I'd love to see an RPG based on this game or on this. Ooh, on I was going to make. I'm going to. I'll talk more about that maybe later, but that would be awesome. Either Last of Us style or whatever. I mean, you. It's been proved that can be done. It would take a million years to make. But I think oh, that would be the it, best or way to show this a Hogwarts story. Legacy style. Well, yes, <laughs> but a bigger map <laughs> than even that. <laughs> Tim's been playing Hogwarts Legacy in case you didn't notice. Jeez the the map will pro- the map would and some some people will get this, but the map will be comparable to um, Assassin's Creed 
Origins and um, Odyssey. Odyssey. Oh. Yeah. Because Odyssey's <laughs> is massive. I think you could also, you it could, you could, s- you could sneak your way around scaling it back to like a God of War thing where it's like, it is kind of open world, but you kind of can only go certain directions in said open worlds. Um, so it's kind of tricky that way. But I would say that would be the best way to do it. But I'm okay with the series. Um, here's what I think. I said this tech via text. I think the best resume we have for Disney doing this and doing it right and doing it well-produced and everything is actually Willow. Not for any of the story reasons, just looking at it from production set style alone. Oh. Like, the quality is yeah. very, very high. Don't know, haven't watched it, didn't make it through the movie. That's fair, because the movie's not good. But the series was, was really good, and uh, honestly, the production value... <laughs> was almost on par with Rings of Power for me. So I think that's a good sign that they can at least produce this well. I also don't know. I'm like, as the more I think about it, I'm like, I don't know how I feel about Disney producing it, but I also don't know how I feel about it going on any other streaming service. Like no one would want HBO Aragon. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. No. <laughs> It'd be, I'm it tempted be to reference the. I'm very tempted to reference the SNL Mario Kart skit. <laughs> also, I'm bisexual. Yeah. Um, which Willow did that, by the way. But anyway, yeah, HBO. HBO would differ, but also maybe Disney Plus will. Anyway, I don't know if Chris Polini would do that though. He would find well, a way to more organically oh, so, do it anyway. Yeah. I did think about that as I was reading it this time. I think now with Paolini being so much older than he was when he wrote it, I think he might change some, but it would just make the, the I hope tip he, of the story to flow better. And maybe available to maybe more receivable I had towards some issues more with audiences. The dialogue. Yeah. That's yeah. fair too. Yeah, and I, I think Although right, I would say Cole, I think the, it's been dialogue I think it's been a little rough. A bunch. Yeah, I also think I don't know. No one wants it's, to see Paramount Plus. And it may Paramount not even be the dialogue. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm sorry. I'm thinking about bad other streaming service Aragons. <laughs> Hulu's just Hulu's in just the multiverse. Disney Plus. in the multiverse. Yeah. Uh, what else? <laughs> just so many streaming services. Netflix. Amazon would produce it well. But would probably do the same thing HBO would. Amazon would do it well. The story would just suck. <laughs> yeah. Got him. Anywho. Yes. Uh, we really don't know anything right now. We're going to do some fan casting, which I'm excited for on the part two. Not not now, because we're, we're not ready for that. So uh, I'm going to do some pack background on Paolini, which I forgot that I was doing until this very second. Just to kind of talk a little bit. This is mostly from his website. He was a homeschooled kid, grew up in Montana, and he loved to read. He he wrote poems and short stories when he was a kid. Some of his favorite books and probably inspiration for Aragon uh, is Bruce Coville's Jeremy Thatcher, Dragon Hatcher, Dune, um, and Raymond E. Feist's Magician, as well as books by Anne McCaffrey, Jan Yolen, Brian Dune or Doom? 
Dune. D-U-N-E. <laughs> Insert G- jokes from that podcast. You pronounced it wrong. To. It's my Dune. My Dune. My arachnus. My Dune. <laughs> we should have done a review on that. It's my biggest regret on this podcast is not seeing it right when it came out. Uh, we, can moving, still, we can still Dune it. We'll Dune it. We'll Dune it before the second Dune. <laughs> We'll zoom about Dune. <gasps> That's what the episode's gonna be called. Zooming about Zoom about Dune. Anyway. He So he had a huge imagination. He also really like before he began writing Aragon, he did some like plotting where he plotted out the whole adventure of the whole four four books. It's supposed to be three books, but we'll get into that. Uh he did a lot of things that like you wouldn't do as an author just to get the experiences. So he uh, made he made his own knives and swords, which nerds everywhere will probably love. I'm not a, I wasn't a nerd sword person, but I know there are some. He made chainmail, spun wool, camped in the Beartooth Mountains, which Beartooth Mountains are beautiful. If you guys haven't seen looked them up before, made his own bow, built survival shelters, learned the track game, fletched arrows, felled trees, hiked, and camped. So basically, Allegasia is just Montana, in case anyone was wondering, which adds up. That actually makes a lot of sense. Uh, Christopher was 15 when he wrote the first draft of Aragon, as uh, Tim mentioned. He took a second year to revise the book, and then his parents spent the third year getting it edited and stuff because they decided to help him self-publish it. And then it took off. like It got read by a, a big publisher and then absolutely took off. Um, he wrote, he did a big tour and then he wrote Eldest. Um, and then, uh, the movie that shall not be named was released in 2006. Early in 2007, he realized that he needed more space than just one book to finish the series. And so Brisinger was released in 2008 and then he wrote Inheritance, which came out in 2011. So basically, even though they're both massive, he originally intended those to be one book. Golly. So the trilogy. <laughs> yes. So the trilogy. I thought I thought that'd be really good to mention. So the trilogy became became a cycle, as he as he titled it. So in 2011, the Guinness World Records recognized him as the youngest author of a best-selling book series. He is currently 39 years old, which has got to be some kind of. It's insane. Like he's not even 40 mm-hmm. yet. And then, of course, he he wrote the Fork, the Witch, and the Worm, which I think is actually in Allegasia, but it's not part of the main series. Yeah, it is. It's after. It's like it's after. It's just stories. shorts. Uh, yeah. Do I know who the witch is? You catch up on some characters. Well, yeah. Your it's mom. I think. I don't know. Ah. Oh! Got me. <laughs> Is that the new gag of the podcast that my I'm mom is a pretty witch? Sh- <laughs> I love you. Oh, shoot. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Spencer's no, mom. She doesn't, li- she doesn't listen to this. It's okay. <laughs> my dad might. but She'll anyway, listen to this episode. Watch. My brother's a big fan of Aragon, so he might actually listen to this. But uh, he also wrote science fiction <laughs> novel to sleep in Sea of Stars. So after I finish Aragon series, I will probably read that. Is it good, Tim? From what you've read so far? Uh, I I haven't finished it yet, but yeah, it's it's really good. Which is what is it? It's a to sleep in a sea of stars. Sea of stars. 
Oh, the last thing I forgot to mention. Um, I think his name is John Palancar, the guy who did the uh, original art for Aragon books and then did the rest of the art for the series. The Palancar Valley is named after him. Oh. And I think it was actually named before he became the artist. Like, I think Paolini just really liked his art for books he had read and so named it after him. And I'm going to pass it over to Tim uh, to talk about some more on the story, the hero story, um, and then we'll get into the book a fair bit. The first half. To answer your question, Spencer, you... Oh, to answer your question, you do know the witch. Good. All right, so uh, the hero story is a uh, story framework, uh, and it was uh, conceived by Joseph Campbell, uh, but it's it's not like people create their stories around this. Uh, he just observed a lot of stories and myths that used this uh, pattern or framework to, and then he wrote about it. Um, so similar stories that, that have used this are Dune, Star Wars, uh, Lord of the Rings, um, The Odyssey, Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, Harry Potter. Um, and so the, the premise is the hero or pr protagonist has a call to adventure and leaves his home which is usually like uh, a farm or just their homeland and goes a place out of, into... A place of low consequence. Yes, and goes out into the broader world. Uh, and they, they have never been out into this world before. And so they usually encounter a mentor along the way. Uh, this can be either like right before they leave their hometown or right after... In, in Star Wars's case, uh, it's Ben Kenobi. In Aragorn's case, it's Brom. Uh, and as they go throughout their adventure, they uh, might encounter a magical force uh, or the force. Uh, and this helps them <laughs> along their journey. Uh, and they can also encounter a helper... Uh, that helps them along their journey, and this either this this can happen at least once, but probably more than once along their journey. They encounter temptation to join the other side or leave their journey and to go back to their homeland. And this uh, usually happens in a desert, uh, out it, in the wilderness. It can. <laughs> okay, Are you talking about Jesus? <laughs> yes. <laughs> 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 Did not pick that up. Uh, and I, I don't and, think we. Um, <laughs> they they can sometimes uh, encounter like a fatal injury along their journey, and a good example of this is uh, Aang from Avatar, uh, the Last Airbender, Aang. not the blue one. Uh, but this the, oh, the hero's, the the hero's journey is yet. just such a good, simple framework for stories. Um, and if I ever end up writing my own story, I will use. I actually have a kind of an idea for for use, utilizing the hero's journey for a story. 
but it's just it's just such a good story framework, and that's part of the reason why my favorite Star Wars movie is A New Hope because it utilizes this story in, in such a simple way, uh, and it's the first story that I know of that used this framework. I. We're going to have to talk about it a fair bit, but there are a, he does not reference that he was inspired by Star Wars, but he almost certainly was. Yes. Um, I, I just think there are way too many parallels. Like, I don't know the answers about Aragon's birth, but obviously that's important somehow. Brahm is Ben Kenobi. There is a Yoda character in Eldest. Sort of. Eldest pretty much follows the... From the a certain structure. point of view. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good joke, uh, though. We, we, I can't, get, we, I understood. we can't talk about... Captain America, I understood that reference. <laughs> we can't talk about Brom too much because we don't want to spoil other books. <laughs> From a certain point of view. But yes... <laughs> that's gotta be Christopher yeah, Polina's yeah, favorite the- phrase of all time <laughs> he loves that phrase <laughs> Brom says it too You're not the, he's not the only one anyway Eldest definitely is the Empire Strikes Back to Aragon's A New Hope and the writers are Jedi and Galbatorix is the Sith a little bit of parallels to like while we're on the topic of Jesus, I felt like when we were talking about like the force, they were talking about the force war in this time. I definitely got some like Lucifer vibes, like the fallen angels and everything. Ring wraiths. Yeah, that too. Are you talking about like, uh, like Albatorix? Yeah. Like he deceived, he deceived other writers to join him and they all like fell and took over the world and all that jazz. Yeah. It also hasn't I don't think it's said how they died, except for Morzan. That they just die or they get killed by the Varden. Or do I is that important that I, I don't mean, know. I don't remember. I'm pr- didn't didn't they all die in like the last battle with the riders? Except for Morzan? Cranges. You're you're laying behind all Maybe your that's job. what they said. I'd up. have to yeah, Cranjus, can you fact check us? Cranjus, look at. Sorry, I'm trying to do a Joe Rogan. Cranjus, look at look at the Force One. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, I think there are a lot of parallels with Star Wars. Is this is the point? But that's okay, I guess. I still like this series, and I like the world, and I like Aragon a lot. I like Aragon as a main character quite a bit. I think that as a lot of the strength of the series, like. Aragon's my favorite character in this series so far from what I've read. Uh, I don't remember. Is it Brissinger or Eldest when Roran becomes becomes the main character? Roran (laughs) becomes awesome in Eldest. He's not necessarily... Okay, yeah. He's kind of the main character. He's the one actually going through things. Aragon's just like training and training and training. Spoilers, I guess. the Forsworn, the Forsworn just most of them died from infighting. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Amongst themselves. Naturally. Almost like the Sith. There must only be two, or just one. 
<laughs> if you're Galvatorix. <laughs> but yeah, Roran becomes awesome in the second one. He kind of, he does yeah. he does kind of pick up a lot of the main character energy, but I still love Aragon. Yes. I really enjoyed Roran's story because it was very grounded. Uh, where it, just in high in contrast to figuratively and literally Aragon's higher story, because yeah. you know he's up in the clouds, but his is very grounded. He's doing. He almost has. He's almost doing the legwork. Yes, if that makes sense. Yes. He's the one who's relatable to you as the reader. Yeah. Well, once Aragon, like after this book, after the first one. (laughs) Right. Because in the first one, Aragon's the relatable character. But then at some point in Eldest, he stops being as relatable. (laughs) Doesn't mean he's less awesome, though. He just becomes less relatable as Roran becomes more relatable. But let's get into the book, shall we? Now, there's a lot of book here. We don't have to reference every single moment. But we can talk about some sections. I don't really like the Uh, prologue. I'm going to throw that out there. I don't know. I've never enjoyed it. It also is one of the only parts from the movie that I remember. Exactly. And it's like page for page out of the book. So it gives me... (laughs) It makes me, yeah, it makes me, I'm like, oh, I don't want to remember that. But also, I don't like Durza. He's just, he's a word that I don't want to say on this podcast. <laughs> he's so annoying. I forgot that he is even in this book, even though he was so awesome in the movie. I really like the actor who played him in the movie. Tim, or Spencer, he was, um, he was the surprise character in Yesterday. Ed Sheeran? I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know what you're talking about. I remember now. I was like, what's the surprise yeah. character? Yeah, he... Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about the movie. I'm sorry. He's in Once Upon a Time, I have too. a memory. I don't remember if this is right. I'm not going to watch the movie, The Fact Check. But doesn't he like create a like, cloud dragon, a smoke dragon at the end to, to fight yes. Sephira? Okay, good. I was like, yes. is, that, is that real or is that just a dream? <laughs> and Farther Door is like no. nothing in the movie also. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. I do remember some uh. things. More budget, I say. But don't kill the CGI people. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> yeah, so I don't, I don't... We're done when we say I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I love... Ugh. Cole, I'm not going to diss on Percy Jackson, but I love the the chapter titles in this book. Yes. Like some of them are a little bland, but some of them are like discovery. Yes. Dragon tales. I also listen to the audiobook more than I read the books. So the, the audiobook reader for these are, is really good. He also like probably breaks. His uh, I read his two Sephiroth different voice. audiobooks. <laughs> for real how right <laughs> how is the Sephira voices on those audiobooks cool so i only got to like chapter 14 before Sephira had her voice in the first audiobook i listened to and then it sounded too honestly it sounded too manly 
and yeah. the other one. It was bad. It was really bad. I listened to the official one. I don't remember his the name of the guy who reads it, but his Safira voice is really low, very dragony, but somehow female. Don't I can't place my finger on why? No, this guy just went like he did. He did Christian Bale Batman. <laughs> I'm definitely a female. Stupid hatchling. I didn't like Rachel Weiss in the movie though <laughs> yes, either. Like exactly. the contrast was too much. So the no, the other one, thing, I don't know if go ahead, Tim. The, the the movie the cast was awesome. All around. The cast was Minus fantastic. Aragon. All around very good. Yeah, he was okay. Yeah. I just like Jeremy Irons too much. I mean, how can you not like John Malkovich? <laughs> oh, oh, Galbatorx oh, wasn't even supposed to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Galbatorix not even in the first book. We're not fan casting Galbatorix next episode. I refuse. I still I'm at the end of Eldest that I still don't know anything about Galbatorix. <laughs> Except that he's old and his story. It should be the imp oh that's a bit on the nose. Never mind. <laughs> oh what who's playing Ian, the Emperor? Ian McDarmid. <laughs> yes. No, who's playing Christopher Walken? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Aragon, I need your eggs. You know, your dragon. Some say, you know, I'm I need more cowbells. Torix. What's his? Uh, need... What's his? What's his? Uh, what's his dragon's name? Shuriken. Yeah, Shuriken. Sure. Uh, I guess it's I the Japanese knife. <laughs> They say I'm old. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, never mind. We're fan casting Christopher Walken as Galbatorix. <laughs> yeah, I, no. I kind of wish we'd fan casted him as. I wish we had done him as Zeus and Percy Jackson. <laughs> you know. I can't contain myself. It's too funny. Uh, but also, Christopher Walken, if he wasn't too old, would be a good Brom. Mm-hmm. A little bit too New Yorky, but whatever. Oh yeah, hundred hundred and twenty percent. I just want to flip to the page where he Rom reads his story. It's just Christopher Walken. But ah, anywho, yeah, the casting's mostly good in the movie. Uh, Jeremy Irons is maybe the perfect Brom, so it's going to be really hard to come up with a substitute. Or I have a I have a good substitute. I have a good choice, and I'm going to fight you on it. I'm going to fight you on it. We're going to talk about that next episode. <laughs> mm. I love how this opens, though. There's such such great meaty stuff in the spine with Aragon hunting. It It's so good. And it's like a weird contrast to, like, you know, the Hunger Games. I think it was written after. But that's how the Hunger Games opens, pretty much, is, is hunting in the forest. But somehow... Aragon's yes. just experienced by himself deep in the mountains where no one's everyone's afraid to go but him is just a really a really great a great point. I haven't thought about the Hunger Games in a minute. I know. I'm sorry I just brought that up, but I'm thinking YA stuff. Hate Sloan, love Horst. The pronunciations are only gonna you get know, worse. Sloan actually here, has a little bit of a character arc. A little. Well he might he might later, but I'm still I still hate him 
at least at this point in a uh, point in eldest where I'm at. I hate him. I forgot he lives past Aragon because he freaking dies in the movie. <laughs> oh, uh, so there is one thing that Sloan I dies think is, in the movie. Is re- yeah, he's killed by the Razak. I don't, I don't even remember any of this. Yeah, Tim, go ahead. Uh, so this is kind of something that I noticed while watching uh, Wheel of Time, and I had almost finished the first book of that series, uh, but. I think it's is fantastic in this book to have Brom as a storyteller. Uh, it's great to have the person giving exposition to the to the reader be an actual storyteller in the world. Mm-hmm. Because one, they make it fun and interesting, but also it makes it so natural, naturally part of their character. Uh, and I actually hope that's something he does more in the series is be a storyteller because he he was that in the uh, in Carver Hall, but it was almost that at the very beginning, but also a crazy guy. And then they just immediately left on the journey. And I was like, we just had the this inkling that he was a storyteller. But for the most part, on the journey, he just gave exposition and training to Aragon. He told a few stories here and there, um, but it became pretty clear. I kind of remembered, at least from the movies, that he was a writer before. So it wasn't that much of a spoiler, but it was kind of like, I don't know, it was kind of fun. Like, I wanted to see how long it would take Aragon to figure it out the first time I read this book. Not this time. But I think, yeah, yeah once it was yeah. like pre... Once he started teaching magic before Tyrim, I was like, "This guy's not a. This guy's not just a storyteller. <laughs> it's pretty obvious by now, right?" But on their first few days on the journey, he did kind of still play it as he was telling stories, and it's a great cover because yeah. he can he can he can go he can say they're true, but everyone thinks he's crazy, <laughs> but they are true, <laughs> and he doesn't tell them in a way that's like from his own perspective, even though it is. Not much to say on Garo. Um, I know you wanted to talk about why he had to die, Tim. Oh, but he's so nice th- to Rorin. Yeah, no, Garo's Garo's a great father figure, but uh, so we didn't it's, teach him to read. No, <laughs> Tim, that's true. Uh, it's no <laughs> such a bad trade. Father figures die in these type of stories. In anime, you can't have the protagonist. Uh, be the protagonist without their being an orphan. Uh, but I, I noticed the reason why when I watched Rings of Power, the last episode when the little uh, hobbit, not hobbit girl, don't remember her name at all, uh, when she left her nomad town, uh, she she had to leave her actual parents. And it, it did not feel right at all. Because her parents were just like, bye, to this, like, 10-year-old bye. girl. <laughs> and and there's there no emotion there or anything. Uh, and it was like, why are you going off with this stranger with your friend who's an orphan and leaving your parents? This doesn't make any sense other than this stranger is important to the story. Uh, and so that's when I realized that... Uh, in other stories, it's the protagonist is an orphan or 
some for some reason having to leave or be secretive around their aunt or uncle like spider-man uh and so it makes more sense than in the case of <laughs> spider-man is not a hero uh from their he killed the stereo <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know who spider-man is yeah i don't either <laughs> Well, uh, I know who's Spider-Man, but I don't know who is he under the mask, so how am I supposed to know who his aunt and uncle are, Tim? I, yeah, sorry, Tim. I don't, I don't know. Sorry. I shouldn't have brought that also, one up. Uncle ben, also, Uncle Ben died. So, to break our joke, his <laughs> yes, father figure yes, did die. Aunt, aunt May, though, uh, is still his aunt. Um, but So, in Star Wars... And she died, his, too. His aunt and uncle died, and so it made sense for him to leave his home and go with Obi-Wan. Uh, in Demon Slayer, the main character, uh, his whole family died, except for his sister, who's a demon. Uh, and so it made sense for him to leave and go train to be a Demon Slayer. Uh, <laughs> sorry, guys, you won't get that reference at all. Uh, nope. But there's, there's certain oh, stories I did. where it I made did. sense. I did. life story. <laughs> For, for the character to leave, but there has to be a tragedy. Uh, and in Rings of Power, there was not a tragedy worthy enough for that girl to leave her home. <laughs> but in this, in this, it, it went, uh, it it made total sense for him to leave because his, his father figure, uncle, died. Uh, his brother, cousin, uh, had already left town. And so it was just him and his whole farm had been burned. And so to save the rest of Carvajal, he had to leave to go train and save the rest of Carvajal. I Indeed. want to bring up Brahm's story. Fantastic. Really cool way to give exposition with the traders and kind of the festival, for lack of a better word. Just telling that whole story. And I love how he ends it. And from that day, he has ruled us. So it like brings us into into today really well that's almost like that's almost they that's almost a little bit also from the hunger games because they bring up uh several times that president snow has ruled over us but nobody remembers when he was not ruling us yep yep and I was going to say, she, her parents live, but she's pulled away because of the Hunger Games themselves. But bringing us back... Yeah. No, her dad's, her dad's dead. Well, yeah. The... He, oh. he died in the coal mines? I can't remember. Yes. Uh, the... See, he died in my to, mines. Back to Aragon. Back to Aragon, Cole. <laughs> We're talking about Aragon today. <laughs> I want to mention something that the movie didn't do well, but the book is really great at. It's Safira growing up. And be, starting from this innocent mm -hmm. little creature with the blue eyes to becoming this full-fledged character. It's not it's not a simple character that just has like lines like most of the creatures, like dragons and and where weir cats specifically are like super intelligent beings more intelligent than humans. Mm -hmm. And it's cool how Saphir just kind of I rolls felt like into that. In this, I felt like he was definitely a cat person because that's as someone who's had cats for most of their life, 
and then just listening to this description because I didn't read it. Um, I was like, oh, this is this is very much like raising a cat. Safira is, yes. At first, anyway. Yes. At first. I don't know. They're sass sometimes. Just I'm right ready for point. I'm ready uh, for a new interpretation of Safira completely from birth to mm-hmm. when she's an adult later. I'm really excited for how they do that. Tim? Uh so in most stories the well this story kind of put dragons in a whole new light because most of the time in stories dragons yes. are just this fierce monstrous creature and in this the whole the idea guys. of a of a dragon is it's a companion to the dragon rider uh and it means and then it, what they what they springboard off of that into in the later books is just, it's just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, there are times when the dragons are monstrous as far as fighting capability, but it goes out of the way to be like, no, they're, they're smarter than humans. They're wiser than humans. Uh, they have so much magical potential, um, but it it focuses on the bond between Aragon and Safira, and it, it's just it's just interesting because it makes you think about dragons in a whole new way. <clears throat> and not to the detriment of Safira, but it also she also kind of functions as a a facet of Aragon's character. Yes, too. correct. Or you, they they are written together as much as separate. And that becomes more and more true later in the series. At least into the eldest. The Razak. We learned so much more of the Razak in the second book, but we do get a little bit here. I Tim, I love the correct. Razak. Oh. So much. Correct me if I'm wrong, but <clears throat> never mind. I'm not gonna throw that one out there. I'm not throwing that one out there. <laughs> I don't remember All what right. the Razak looked Doesn't like in the, the movie. I don't want to yeah. look it up either. But they look like okay. But they look like they look like the critters from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy one. That the bad guys with the hoods. Except oh. more beetly. Yes. <laughs> They're just so weird. And the gross. ones that and have Yondi surrounded out. and he just. Yeah, I can't yes. remember that. Yes. And you don't. The, when you finally figure out what they are in the later books, I'll just go ahead and throw that out there. Tim, do they not even conclude the, the Razak story until Inheritance? Or is that. Wrapped up in Brisinger. I can't remember. I think Brisinger. Okay. So, yeah. But then that's when you kind of find out all about them. And it's it's cra- it, it's weird. It's kind of gross. Oh, yeah. But, but it's-, it's just as someone who uh, like plays D&D <clears throat> and has tried to create their own creature or monster, 
um, for that or other purposes or like has read Sanderson and he's created his own creatures. Uh, I mean, it's hard to create your own monster and make it unique. Like you can, you can make a goblin a little bit different than what most people think of as a goblin, but to create completely create your own creature. It's so hard. And it's like, yes, these things. Oh, well, I can't say that without potentially spoiling something. Um, these, these things have similarities to other creatures and yet they are entirely their own creature. Mm. Ah, yes. They're, they're so good. And it's like <clears throat> the, their introduction to Carvajal is so simple, and yet their like their purpose is to completely throw Aragon on this journey. And yet we, we really don't know much about them yet, other than their Until appearance. Yeah, yeah and Eldis is really later. where we get so much about them. The Doom of Innocence is a dope chapter title and really foreboding. <laughs> Did Rorin die in the movie? I feel like Rorin died in the movie. I don't think so. I don't remember. Also, I think Rorin it's really is played sad by because the guy I just... from Friday Night Lights. <laughs> I can't remember. You guys might disown me for this, but I just recently rewatched Aragon uh, because I, I was I, like, it can't I, be as bad as I remember. And uh, it is completely uh, still. I like I watched it a few months ago, and I I hardly remember it now. <laughs> it's other the, than it's the last the, fourth the worst... of Kingdom of Crystal Skull effect. Tim. <laughs> Yes. It's traumatic. The worst so thing about you get, it you just that I remember. Uh, the, the, there's no distinction between uh, elves, dwarves, urgles, or humans. No. At all. Nope. I'd beg to say that the dwarves aren't even in the book. Nor are... And all the elf, elven characters are turned into humans. There's like no elven characters in this book anyway. Just Arya. Arya. Yeah. I just can't. I can't stop reading this in the audiobook guy's voice for Safira. Aragorn. <laughs> <laughs> Safira. Yes, Stone is. Stone ears. I just her name chapter him are hilarious. I just realized there's a chapter that's like a page and a half chris yes what are you doing that's what made that's that's what made brazinger and an inheritance so annoying is there would be like okay i'm gonna because i sit down and read i'm gonna read to x amount of chapters but then you've got all these page and a half chapters and you get and they don't nowhere. have numbers either so I'm like, I'm going to, they don't have numbers. I'm like, I was going to title it chapters one through 30, but I don't think that helps people <laughs> with Aragon. I'm just like, I'm just going to have to title it part one. We're reading chapters one through 30. That's not helpful. But, uh, what was the last chapter we read? Uh, uh, thieves and a the costly world. mistake ish. Yes. No. Yeah. 
That's where I read to. It was the chapter after that when he wakes up. Yeah. Oh. I thought that was in the same chapter. But See, anyway, the, the audiobook that I listened. Oh, the audiobook I listened to on YouTube was it had the chapter numbers in front of it. Oh, nice. So that was helpful. Brom just gives. Oh, God. Brom giving Zarok to Aragon is 110 percent. Ben Kenobi giving Luke Anakin's lightsaber. <laughs> I just realized that, but I was going to say, I'm like, what At a least terrible thing to give to Aragon. <laughs> it's so foreboding later. At least he didn't look into it like Luke did. Oh, yeah. Idiot. There's some great edits of that. <laughs> I don't really Super think we dark. need to talk much about the journey, but let's talk about no. uh, Jode and Angela and Solemn Bum. Yeah, um, the only thing I was wanting to mention is the storm is a really exciting part of the journey. That's it. <laughs> That's really it. Um, right, Yazuak, like the the storm, and then Yazuak, the uh, that's how they pronounce it in the audiobook. The the baby on top of the pile of dead bodies. Ooh. Oh, okay, Ooh. yeah. That ain't going on Disney Plus. I <laughs> maybe it will. I remember there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that I vaguely remember from the books that I was like, "Oh, this isn't this is not appropriate for a middle schooler." Nope. I shouldn't be reading this. And th- that's that's one of them. Um, there's some more in the later books, like the ritual of a thousand cuts or whatever it is. It's like, ooh. Can you imagine should I be reading this? Can you imagine him as a fifteen year old taking his first edition to his parents and being like, Hey, can you uh can you proofread this? And they did to that part. What do you guys think? Chris? Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> also, listeners, we don't know if he's called Chris. We've just decided yeah. to call him Chris, as is tradition of, of us receiving fantasy novels. Chris, <laughs> but Tim, you're right. We, I absolutely was thinking when I was reading this. I'm like, we have to talk about the witch and the weird cat chapter. Yes, what? Love it, love, love it. it. It's so good. It's the best one. It it tells so much, but so little. So Angela, um. I don't know if you guys know this, but Angela is based on and named after his little sister. Ah, I did and not her know cat. that. <laughs> yes, <clears throat> weird cats are funny as all get out. The one in yes! eldest, is, I don't like the one in eldest. Solemn Bum is the best. <laughs> Solemn Bum is fantastic. <laughs> the audiobook reader, his Solemn Bum voice was so weird. <laughs> You aren't very smart for a dragon rider. <laughs> yes, that's what the one you. I listened to sounded like. <laughs> Sounds like you switched to the one I was listening to. <laughs> you said that. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Who are we going to fan cast as the freaking uh. subtle <laughs> Also, Solemn Bum just randomly... I have to do some research, but I think I have a person for him. That'd be great. Okay, literally, this is nuts, though. I want to read it because I still don't know what all of this means. I mean, I do know what some of it means. 
I'm not going to read it in Solomon's voice again. I'm sorry, listeners. Or should I, Cole? Please do. Listen oh, closely you should. and I will tell you No, you shouldn't because we want to understand it. <laughs> when the time comes and you need a weapon, <laughs> look under the roots of the Manoa tree. Then when all seems lost and your power is insufficient, go to the Rock of Kuthian and speak your name to open the Vault of Souls. I was like, what? <laughs> Like I know what the first I know what the Manoa tree is now, but I still have no clue what the rest of that means. Yeah, it's uh, gonna be a while before you know about the Vault of Souls. That's fine. Yeah. I, I don't remember if we learn about the Vault of Souls in Eldest or Brissinger, but that, that part of the prophecy is fulfilled in the fourth one. Yes. Uh, the other death is Brahm. Right? Yes. Yes, the death is because uh, he acknowledges that later in this book. It's the same book. We're just talking about the other half later. There's a lot of death. So, not gonna so, lie. Uh, I, I'm going to go yeah, through I mean, yeah. Angela's prophecy. Uh, yeah. She she Let's says that he will have a long life and as a, a rider, Shocker. that's true. He, he's immortal. Um, he can only die if he's killed. Uh, same he has the freedom to choose his own fate and Brom talks about that he um, after they defeat the Razak he will have to choose whether to join Galvatorx or the Varden to fight against Galvatorx and uh, Aragon's like well I don't know if I want to fight all my life maybe I just want to enjoy life grow up Aragon um, Sorry, you have a dragon. You're kind of stuck. Also, if he kills yes. the Razak, he's um, sort of not joining Galatorix automatically. Right, yeah. Uh, also, um, in the later half of this book and in Eldest a lot, uh, the Varden have like a lot of political struggle uh, with Naswada mm. um, about using Aragon. Uh, and so... It's about choosing his own fate again. Uh, and then Angela talks about uh, he will have a death of a loved one. Um, he Aragon immediately thinks Rorin, but um, it'll be Brom a, a little bit later. Um, and then uh, he will leave. But why is he considered a loved one? Uh, actually, <laughs> hold on. I'm pretty sure at least Aragon thinks it's Brom. I don't know if it's Brom's the specific person the prophecy is talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Aragon thinks it's Brom. Um, there's a few others that I could think of. Because I think it's alluded to that that death of a loved one is like a family member. And so my first thought was Sloane. Because it's like uh, when Warwin gets married, uh, then... Is technically family, but I was like, no, that's a really big reach. Um, then uh, Angelus says he will leave Allegasia forever. Uh, so as of yet in this book, that's not fulfilled. He'll take the Rainbow Bridge to Midgard. <laughs> or in Mario Kart, he'll take the Rainbow Bridge and drive off. The Rainbow Road. I'll get you to Rainbow Road. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I love that. I freaking love. Also, I'm bisexual. 
Just kidding. Uh, and then uh, there's an epic romance, uh, which, boy, we when people think of the Aragon series, they think of Aragon and Arya. Uh, Not Arya Stark. Uh, I don't know. All the, I don't know the end of that. Really I don't know the end of that road, Tim. So just yeah, <laughs> she's a great character. Uh, and then the last part of what a Angela's mess, prophecy is there will be a betrayal by a family member, and uh, as we know, he have doesn't my have guesses. very many family members. Uh, so it could be Roran as his only Unless family his member mom's that still we know of. Alive. Yeah, that's that's potential. Or, I'm just casting oh. some theories. I think it's Roran, but let's face <laughs> somewhere I'm at. But and uh, uh, me and Cole will not spoil this this prophecy. Uh, I so, I thought that was I thought that was revealed in Eldest. No, yeah, we won't talk about that, Cole. Okay, but that's a oh man, I love prophecies and stories because it's just perfect for foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. I also just laugh uh, at the when when he tells her his name. Is that who you are or, or your name? Both. <laughs> Both. That's my kind of. I like. And then I, like I love her, when they talk um, about about Brom. the frog. It... I don't know about the frog, but when she yes. <laughs> when she laughs, oh, oh, she, she's like laughing and crying because it's Brom. Yeah. What yes. is it? No, no, don't be upset. It's only that well, he's known by those in my profession. I'm afraid. I'm afraid that poor man's doom or future, if you will, is something of a joke. <laughs> <laughs> like I, Angela's just might be my second favorite character behind Aragon because she's just hilarious. She's even great in Eldest yeah. too. And she just Spencer. She's very much a Brock and Sindri character. I just now realized this. And that she pops up at random points. <laughs> yep. Just why this? Well, what are you doing here? It's <laughs> the f the f you doing here? Uh, <laughs> yes. Again, this would be such oh. a good RPG. <laughs> I might have to save it for the next one, but <laughs> yes. I feel like we've kind of covered all the things we want to talk about here, so maybe I should talk about it now briefly before we wrap. Well, this will be our wrapping thoughts. I get my wrapping thoughts is that this would be such a good RPG because you're going to learn how to use the bow and arrow and stuff and hunting in the beginning. And then you're going to get Sephira and you're going to learn all the magic and stuff while you're traveling with Brom and you're going to fight some Urgles and you can um, trade with random people. I don't know when you go to like cities and stuff. And then once you go into Tyrim, you'll have Angela for the rest of the story. So then Angela, like Tim, like Cole said, could mm-hmm. be like the Brock and Sindri of the story. And then when Aragon passes out, you can play as Brom for a little bit and chase down to some Urgles. And basically the first game would take you from like Carvajal all the way to Farthendur. And then the second game can explore the rest of the map while you're playing as Roran, get to re-explore the new map in different seasons and changes and stuff. So I just think it would really work. I guess you're right. This would make a good... This would... This would make a good mumble era of Lego game. Yes, it would. Now that you put it like that... That was my alternative. 
That was my alternative. It's just too complicated. Like, Harry Potter but... was done. Nothing's too complicated for mumble mode. <laughs> if there was a good enough I adaptation guess they did for like Pirates of the Caribbean very well. If if there was a good like movie like Lord of the Rings where they could just take the lines from it and make it, that'd be great. But a mumble mode game would also be fun. Just running around as Aragon and Sephira. Mm-hmm. And they've already got the flight and stuff. But the RPG, like a full on, would be my pri- would be my favorite way of this being adapted. It won't happen. <laughs> Obviously. We're getting the Disney Plus series, but no, no. It, it won't. I but- think I mean, I can definitely see some elements from uh, games like Skyrim that it could take inspiration from. I think it could take inspiration from Hogwarts Legacy, but I mean, it would just—it's just so different because Aragon uses a bow, uses a sword, but the magic system is just so broad for a video game. Um, yeah. But so is Hogwarts Legacy. Like, there's not one spell I feel that like. he uses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's elements of Legacy in there that he uses a lot of spells in Legacy. Honestly, you haven't played this, Tim, but I think God of War Ragnarok is the best resume. Because you play as Atreus okay. in that one. And, spoiler alert, and um, he has a... He, you shoot with boring. his bow and arrow... You play as boy, except he's never called boy in that game, but <laughs> it'd be cool to have that and then some good sword play because you don't really play as anybody that fights with a sword in God of War. No. Any other concluding thoughts of this first part of Aragon? It was really refreshing to re- go back and reread this, honestly. Yes. Um, I haven't re- read this since middle school. And then I guess... There was one thing I wanted to mention. I kind of mentioned it earlier, but there's there was some jarring stuff that I found. And I hate to end this on like a negative note, but there's a lot of stuff that he references from our world that it just doesn't fit with the world of Allegasia. There aren't cathedrals in Allegasia. It's I th- do you guys understand what I'm talking about? Are you talking about um, just like in the way he describes things in Dross Leona? No, like he'll describe clouds and then he'll describe like Catholic priests and stuff. But none of that exists in the, that world. Oh, it was huh. just very jarring. I guess. Oh, that like he makes references to things that, that don't exist in that world, like to make a. Yes. To explain what something's like. And maybe that's just yeah. like a 15-year-old's writing ability. Yeah, right. Where he doesn't yeah. think about those details, and it just makes it easier for the reader to understand, so they left them in. But a reader of a similar age, now as an adult, I'm like, ooh, this is kind of... Right. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean... That's one of my che- one of my few complaints about rereading this as an adult. It's like, for me, having read all of them, I remember parts of all of the books, but not the majority yes. of any of them. 
And so it's like I can yes. connect the whole story, but rereading it now, um, yeah, oh man, it's so refreshing because uh, it's it's just, mm-hmm. I mean, yes, there are parts with the dialogue, um, maybe a little bit of over exposition, but uh, like it's it's just such a good book. And when you think about the age when he wrote it, um, I just said I think that makes it a little bit more enjoyable. And I think for the adaptation, he's going to change a little bit just to make the story flow better. Um, but it's just, I really love the book. Yeah. I'm really enjoying yes. it. I didn't, I didn't, I kind of read straight. I brushed straight over those to be honest, but I also was like, I don't know. I wasn't paying a significant amount of attention to those things just because I was listening to it and I've read it recently right. within the last year for the first time. So Maybe I'll be something I try to pay attention to more as I read the second part of this. But thank you so much for listening. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about it's Marvel Monthly. We're going to be talking about Ant, Quant, Wasp, and the Mania. Tentative title Ant Mania and the Quantum Wasp Man. Yes, what Cole said that I can't repeat successfully. We're going to be talking about <laughs> that. change it up gonna... every time. <laughs> yes. And we might talk about some... We'll talk about the Super Bowl trailers as well. It'll be a little late, but who cares? And then I think we're coming back to Aragon right after the week after that. So, um, And then we're going to... In that episode, we're going to talk about the rest of the first book. And I hope Cole is going to host us through some fan casting. If you're up for it. Yeah! (laughs) I'm up for that. Uh, well, to, to wrap us up, we don't have a closing phrase usually on Fandom Done Right. This is not something we're going to do every episode because that wouldn't make sense. Or maybe that'd be funny if we did do that because it's one episode. May your swords stay sharp.